the one who knocks. Pop, pop. Oh, no. <laughs> Why don't you do something with your life? You contribute nothing to society. Good morning, Vietnam! Some people without brains do an awful lot of talking, don't they? You know my code. Hose before bros. You can't handle the truth. Buzz your girlfriend. Woof. Nobody calls me mad dog. Especially not some dooted up egg sucking gutter trash. Hello and welcome to my first time. It's the podcast that debates, disputes and discusses pop culture classics. Each episode, someone on our panel takes on the role of the first timer, a person who is correcting a gap in their pop culture resume. Thanks for the sneeze there, Aiden. <laughs> my turned, name is I Dan. I turned my mic off so you didn't pick it up. I reckon that could have been picked up. And if it's not picked up, I'm going to edit a sneeze in <laughs> so people hear a sneeze. I'm a professional. How dare you? <laughs> My name is Dan, and I'm joined each and every week by Eden. Aloha. And Sneezy. Catchphrase. And this week we are hopping on our bikes, sitting on the handlebars, doing some wheelies as we coast around with BMX Bandits. You bring up an interesting fact. Where It's actually set the... Edges of Sydney, yeah? Yeah, yeah. It, it is set in Sydney. Bits of it look like Manly to me. Yeah, I was going to say Manly. I, you think, I thought so too, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's like... No, I did. <laughs> you look at me it, like I'm trying to jump on your fact. It or... did seem like you were jumping on the fact. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think you can see like the... They go... They ride across like the gap area, that those like cliffs and stuff. At yeah, one point. it's very beautiful. I think that yeah. some of the scenery of Sydney looks very lovely in this 1980s era. Originally, it was going to be shot in Melbourne, and they moved just for that reason. That, like, in mm. Melbourne, that's, like, a bit grimier, and yeah. Sydney's more beautiful. Very colourful movie. I think Sydney suits it well. This was a first time for both of you, I believe. This is the one I put forward as something from, in this case, my childhood that I really loved. I'd uh, want to hope so. <laughs> bit of an Australian classic in the, in the 80s era. Had you had any awareness of it, or... Any had, opportunity to watch it previously? I had no awareness of it. And oh, you never heard of it? No, I never really heard of it. I feel wow. like maybe the name at some point, but I wouldn't have been able to like sort of go, oh, BMX Bandits, they're like Australian movie or anything. Right. Um, had no real clue. Well, I definitely had heard of it, and um, I, I was well aware of it. I knew exactly what it was going to be about. I just hadn't seen it. Like, it just hadn't come across a chance for me to watch it, I guess. I want to ask you a question. Do you think your awareness of it has something to do with uh, former Triple J presenters Merrick and Russo? Because they famously held out a DVD copy for Nicole Kidman on a red carpet for her to sign. <laughs> Funny you bring that up. No, but a different radio show uh, tried to get a BMX Bandit statue put up in Sydney a few years back as a tribute to it. It was wow. like this radio stunt. And I think they did it in the end. I'm not, I can't. Be sure they just covered it old BMX and cement yeah, and say, stuck yeah, it yeah, on the yeah. foreshore. But but that's the thing. Like it is one of those things that it's like it's a punchline to a lot of Australian entertainment anyway. And I know we've talked about it in the past, Eden, that you are not a huge fan of Australian movies and haven't yeah. really embraced that growing up anyway. Yeah, especially like Australian movies of that era. I was mm. very much like, just, uh, mm, no, I just didn't ever go into them, which is probably why I never even heard of BMX Bandits. I wouldn't have given it the time of day up until 2003. Yeah. All right. Well, before we go any further, let's do a little bit of a recap of what this film is all about for anyone out there listening who also hasn't seen it. 
and tight curls abound in 1983's Oz cinema classic BMX Bandits, the film that famously launched the cinematic career of Nicole Kidman as a ruddy-faced 16-year-old. With an older child-slash-young-teen audience in mind, it's fair to say that the plot of the movie is a pretty straightforward affair. Two best mates and BMX enthusiasts, Goose and PJ, are indulging in their passion for BMX tricks and racing when they plough into a chain of trolleys being pushed by curly, cute, red-haired Judy, Nicole Kidman. When the accident costs Judy her job and the boys their bikes, the trio bond over milkshakes, and you guessed it, BMX, and decide to scrap together whatever funds they can to buy themselves three new BMX races. While rummaging around the Sydney docks, the trio find a crate of unusual walkie-talkies that they decide to flog off to whatever kid has the cash to buy them. And that's when things get a bit hairy for the central trio, as unbeknownst to them, the walkie-talkies belong to a local gang of bank robbers who need them for a multi-million dollar heist they have planned. The gang boss, literally known as The Boss, sends two goons, one a white-haired, hot-headed guy nicknamed Whitey, and another, a mustachioed mobster nicknamed Mustache, to retrieve the goods. What follows from there is essentially a long series of different chase scenes as the two criminal buffoons unsuccessfully attempt to capture the kids through cemeteries, building sites, and town shopping malls. When the boss finally gets himself involved, the goons kidnap Judy, but they are no match for hundreds of Sydney skid kids armed with bags of white flour who descend on the bank-robbing gang like a swarm and keep the hapless criminals tied up until the coppers arrive. BMX Bandits was nominated for four AFI awards in 1983. Best Sound, Editing, Adapted Screenplay, and Supporting Actor for David Argue, who played Whitey, the white-haired gangster. It was released at home and overseas and certainly found an audience in the US, and particularly the UK, where it was the fifth highest grossing film for the calendar year. Notable films of the movie include US band Wheatus, who have a song about the movie... (laughs) UK comedians Mitchell and Webb, who had a recurring BMX bandit skit in their TV show, and US director Quentin Tarantino, a noted 70s, 80s Oz action cinema fan who called BMX bandits the Goonies of Australia. But of course, those opinions count for naught in the studio tonight, where the opinion of our first-timers is what we most seek after. So what say you, Aiden and Eden? Is BMX bandits a red-hot, furious flurry of cycling action? or just a punctured old wobbly wheeler that should be scrapped for parts. I thought that it, it was a lot of fun. Okay. <laughs> I had a great time watching it. I don't I, as I was watching it I was sort of going, I don't think this is necessarily a great movie. But I had a Good time enjoying some of the weird, wacky, stupid kind of stuff in it. <laughs> Give me a taste of one of those things. Break it down. What's a bit that you found really enjoyable? I The accents were just insane. <laughs> I know that that's not something that, you know, you don't sort of go into a movie and comment on the accents in the movie, but the Australian accents were so strong. And, like, it seemed as if a number of the kids in the movie were being dubbed... By 40-year-old actors. <laughs> I had that on my notes. There's 
particularly the first sort of oh, 20 minutes yeah. of the film, it felt like those actors obviously weren't speaking loud enough or something and they'd got into a booth to really pump them up or help them at- articulate it a bit better. Particularly but, the the friend, I can't remember his name. Was it, uh, was it the, the blonde head? The yeah. blonde head one. Yeah. Yeah. Goose. Goose, yeah. Yeah, I... I was watching him. I'm like, it doesn't feel like it lines up. But I've got a point to say like, on both of those. It sounded like he was 40 or older. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the accent. I had the same experience. I wrote yeah. down in my notes, is the 1980s Australian accent stronger? I believe it was. I believe well, it was. I, I would say, you know, there's not as many outside influences coming into Australia. Uh, and I mean that like as far as the internet and we're, we're so broadly watching so much American TV and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, our accent probably has dulled down a bit. Mm. It's, I think, very noticeable watching oh, this. Yeah, just yeah. how Australiana it is. The sounds are so, ah, just so strong. It's yeah. like listening to a bunch of people pretending to be Australians. <laughs> yeah, you know? caricature. Like, yeah. yeah. Um. On that, I'm pretty sure it is dumped. I think this is a film that I watched so many times as a kid. Got a DVD version as you know in my early twenties and watched with the commentary on. Oh yeah. And I'm pretty sure a whole bunch of those early scenes are redubbed because yes. they made some mistake yeah. with the filming of them. It, it had to be the case because like it was so out. It seems so weird. It's really yeah. jarring, isn't Very it? Very jarring. Yep. Goose to PJ. I'm on the roof at home. Where are you? This is Judy. I'm on the top of Beacon Hill. Anybody there? This is PJ. Do you read me? Okay. See you soon. The film itself opens so well. It's got like some rocking tunes. It's got like the two of them riding through the city, and like there's another creepy priest in it who's like <laughs> it's, it's really weird just there, and then he gets like a mannequin, mannequin thrown the, at the, the, legs. the crotch of the mannequin <laughs> up to his face. What's going yeah. on with this stuff? <laughs> The first, I will agree with you, I really liked the first half of it. Yeah. The first sort of 20, 30 minutes, because it's a relatively short film. It only goes for about an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, it felt like a, um, well, for um, Victorian listeners, a Big M commercial, or for <laughs> South Australian <laughs> listeners, it felt like a... Um, Farmers Union? Farmers Union. Like, yeah. it had that vibe of, like, kids on their bikes and we're I, going to get a chocolate yeah. milk from I the shop. I think I wrote down that it seemed like a Calippo ad. Yeah, or <laughs> same sort <laughs> yeah. of thing. Like, <laughs> it's very brightly coloured. So bright. I think the action sequences on the bikes are actually really well shot. There's yeah. lots of low angles and, you know, things zooming over. It, it's very kinetic and yeah. has lots of but parts in motion. It definitely feels like an ad for something. Yeah, well... I wonder if Mongoose were in on it because there are a lot of shots where it just covers over that Mongoose logo, yeah. just shot across, but I don't think they were in on it. I think it was just like they wanted to prove their cred. Like, we've, we've, got, we've got cool bikes, you know? We've got a Mongoose. Yeah. Yeah, that, they're, they're, I agree completely. That first half hour or so... Is rocking. What I really enjoy about the, those early scenes of them racing and doing tricks and they're establishing them as these cool teenage BMXs is they are covered head to toe in safety gear. Yeah. But somehow look cool. It is the coolest safety gear has ever looked. Because yeah. in real life, as a teenager, if you were wearing that, you were definitely getting beat up. Do you think that was like a legal thing? Like they were like, if we're going to put out a film for kids, yeah. aimed at kids with kids in it, we have to have them all padded up. I reckon it would be something be. like that, surely. Yeah. Even yeah. in the 80s, they would have been mindful of that. Yeah. yeah. And like, 
don't know, the, the cops at the in the first 20 minutes, 30 minutes of the scene of the movie are like fantastic. They've got that that real kind of like again, the accents are just insane. They got the, the chief coming in, barking orders. And the fat kid that they encounter uh, who has his own music kid. like <laughs> <laughs> Yep. <laughs> And he's like, you know, a little fat BMXer yeah. that's a real jerk and has lots of money from his daddy and stuff like that. <laughs> um, shortly after that was when I got reasonably bored. Uh, it just felt like that's all the film was. If you removed all the chase scenes, I reckon it would only go for about 20 minutes. Like, it's, it just felt like constant chase scenes It is for me. all chase scenes. Yeah. yeah, and I got really bored with that. Now, maybe as a kid, I would be into that, but watching it as a 30-something-year-old man, <laughs> I do know my own age, don't worry. Um, <laughs> I just <laughs> forgot it for a second. <laughs> um, a 33 Are you becoming old... vain about your own, your own age? <laughs> no, no, do you no, not I... want our listeners to know your exact age? I just like to keep it broad so everyone can relate to it, whether you're young <laughs> 30s or old 30s. <laughs> <laughs> One of the worst things ever said in this podcast. <laughs> but my po- my point is, like, as an adult, I found it really hard to enjoy it as much as I probably would have as a kid. Yeah, there is no narrative, really. Yeah, like the what? What is the main problem? They yeah, just get some stolen gear that were. There were like a hundred dollars. Like if they were such, <laughs> if they'd robbed that bank and they got all the money, I just don't. They understand. had been specially tuned to listen to the police frequency. You cannot just find more walkie talkies like that. No, the big question for me is they they announce these walkie talkies, and then for some reason they're hanging off a box on a jetty in the water. Mm. Yeah. And so you know the the three BMXs grab them while they're looking for cockle shells or something. Why are the walkie-talkies hanging in a box in the water? Yeah. This is a gang. Surely they just pick them up at the airport or uh, something. Yeah. yeah, the gang is completely useless. Like oh, they are the most buffoony. Yeah. It surprised me that it was the uh, the blonde-haired actor that won the did he, best supporting yeah. actor. Counterpoint. I think he's actually legitimately fantastic in the movie. Really? Because he's playing a buffoon criminal and he does it with real conviction. Like you, I reckon he really gets into the role. I'm trying to remember because like, I I can't remember which is the which was the one that was the bad driver. Was that the white haired guy? That's Whitey. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. It was it was funny. I felt like if anyone deserved it, it was Nicole Kim, and I felt like I understood her character. Whereas, and her words because she isn't dubbed so yeah. horrendously. <laughs> whereas others, like it's you know it's kids acting in the eighties. It's pretty. Rough at times. Yeah. The Goose character, he's sort of like the white Anglo-Saxon and PJ's, I think they hint he's Greek. Yeah. Someone gives him like a racial slur at some <laughs> point. No, they call him Spartacus. That's and it. I think that's the Greek <laughs> racial slur. Yeah. Uh, I think Whitey calls him Spartacus. Wow. Uh, and yeah, that Goose character, watching it as an adult, I was like, oh, he's so annoying. He's just like making terrible dad jokes. He's such a crap character. But I... I think I knew that as a kid as well. Yeah. Like, you didn't want to be Goose as a kid. Like, a friend and I both loved this film, and so we would be the characters. Yeah. It was a fight to be PJ. No one wanted to be Goose. (laughs) Even, like, a five-year-old kid knew that Goose was a knob. Yeah, and I think that scene with, like, Goose and Nicole Kidman... What's her name again? Jude? Julie? Judy. Judy? Judy. Judy. Um, In the cemetery, like, in the grave. That's a... That was a bit of a tough scene. To watch when he tries to kiss her, yeah, uh, it's just weird. Ooh. It's just such a weird scene, yeah. 
I want to just say one more thing in Whitey's defense. One moment I really love from him is when they're getting chased through the shopping mall, there's a scene where they run through a restaurant, like an alfresco dining area. I don't know if you picked it up, but he's running through, gets to a table where there's a mother with her baby. He picks up the baby's bottle of milk, looks at it, and then... Opens up his suit jacket and puts it in the inside pocket and then just keeps running. And no, it's never I, explained. I but he steals the baby's milk. And I just think it's the funniest <laughs> bit ever. I did not notice that. But that impresses me a little bit. There. I feel like that would be an improv thing. Yeah, yeah. Or even just, uh, you know, I liked the idea that he knew his character would do that. And so he was like, you know what? I'm making the choice. I take this because that's what my character would do. Now, obviously, we know Nicole Kidman's gone on to bigger and better things. Um, any of them done anything? Uh, well, Angelo D'Angelo, Who's, great name. That's yeah. uh, PJ. PJ. Almost as good as Gary Beers Gary or Gary Beers Beers or whatever his name is. <laughs> he appears on a New South Wales casting website where you can hire him as an extra or any other job you would like him okay. to be. Nice. There is no photo on his profile, <laughs> but, you know, he's out there. Okay. Still shilling for work. And what about uh, Goose? Nah, nothing. nothing. Literally it, nothing. Oh. Uh, the actor that played Whitey, I did look at a few of the different actors to see if anyone had gone on to anything. He's probably had the, the most regular career since. Nothing major, but had a few TV roles over the years, a few movies, a couple of pretty crappy Hollywood ones. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, nothing you'd be super psyched about. As he ticked off the um the regulars, you know, your home and away, your neighbours, your blue, yeah, blue well, healers. Water rats. Well, well yeah. there we go. Yep. All Saints, yep. I think, might have been another one. Like, he's been in a lot of those Australian TV classics. <laughs> yep. Some of them as, like, named characters, and others as just, like, man with sign. Yep. <laughs> Do we think that Nicole Kidman in the movie is sort of clearly a standout? Yeah, I thought she was good. I thought she was really good. Yeah, I, I thought it, it, like, it's not like it was obvious that she was going to go on to stardom, but I did think she was the strongest of the three kids by far. Definitely the strongest. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I really enjoyed seeing young Nicole Kidman with, like, sort of the frizzy hair and playing, like, really down to earth kind of kid character. It was really cool. I don't know. I really enjoyed Nicole Kidman in the movie. Pre plastic surgery? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Has she had plastic surgery? I think the nose has undergone <gasps> some change. Uh, I think there might be some lifting, vaping. Let's <laughs> not get too Where are you pointing with lifting up I was here? Like, you're pointing She's my... not a clown. You're no, pointing no, no, at, no. A, at a red afro I, or I, something. I pointed <laughs> to the side of my head where they would, you know, stretch maybe the right. face skin back. <laughs> Did you encounter the trivia that... Nicole Kidman's stunt double was an 18-year-old boy. Yes, <laughs> yes, I did. And I encountered it because watching the movie, I was like, that is a guy. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I picked it immediately. I was like, that's definitely not Nicole Kidman. <laughs> it looked like a dude. <laughs> do you think Do you think Keith Urban's ever watched this film and gone, that is a guy? <laughs> I hope Keith Urban watches the film and goes, Man, Nicole Kidman looked great in that stunt scene. <laughs> Creepy. <laughs> he said that to her. He's like, man, you're ass in that shot. And she slaps him across yeah. the face. Better than ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I did see that in the movie, and then I had to check it out because, it, yeah, no, it stood out to me. It didn't stand out to you? or I didn't notice it. I read the fact 
afterwards or towards the end, uh, and I was like, oh, I've, I think I've missed all the scenes where she does stuff on her bike and things. Like, yeah. So I, I kind of missed the opportunity, but I didn't notice it at the time. It is a fair way into the movie where she really starts getting, you know, in one of the 40-minute chase sequences. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, that she starts to do stuff. And, like, some of those stunts were pretty cool. I liked the chase sequences, honestly, especially when that, like, last one where they... Like sliding down the water slide with their bikes. That's pretty fun. That was yeah. great. I was kind of hoping that they were going to ride down like a half pipe kind of water slide. I thought that would be cool. I was a bit disappointed that that didn't happen. You briefly touched on the cemetery scene. Yeah. I don't know what your opinions of it were. So they're in the cemetery. The goons, oh, as a kid, to me, the most iconic scene in the film, the scene I loved was the very first time you encounter the gang. And they're in the back of a van with their shotguns getting ready to rob the bank. And they put on these pig masks. Mm. All right, nobody move. Nobody move for the next five minutes or I'll blow a hole in your brain. Come on, come on. Montgomery Street Bank. To me as a kid, that was like badass. I was like, whoa, (laughs) I'm watching like a cool film. This isn't your... Well, I was gonna. You were gonna see this as a personal attack. I was gonna say I'm not watching Yogi anymore. <laughs> I know you love Yogi. I Aiden. love Yogi. Uh, you know, it felt like I was watching something really cool, and I did really like that scene again. Did you? Did you enjoy that scene? Yeah. Or was it just too silly? No, I liked that scene. I, I, because at that point we also hadn't seen the goons be super dumb, so that was kind of like, yeah, all right, nice. I'm, I'm on board with this. Yeah, I. I, I I guess I saw it as a bit of a cliche because it's in so many other films where they put on the... Because they copied it from BMX Bandits, <laughs> most that, likely. That could be the case, but, you know, like, whichever one you watch first is the one that you know. If you watched Mac and Me first, you're going to enjoy that more than E.T. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nah, I, I can't believe that. that. That's the exception to the rule. Uh, but I, I mentioned that because then they chase the kids into a cemetery and they have mm. other masks, these sort of, like, zombie ghoul masks. Yes. Yes. That was terrifying. As a child, I that scene. was gonna say, if, yeah, if you'd watched that as a kid, you'd definitely be terrified, especially because, like, uh, what's the what's the guy who's not Goose's name? I always forget. PJ. PJ. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's PJ where he like opens the walkie-talkie like mm-hmm. antenna thing. It goes like yes. right into the guy's eye, and he like screeches out. That was pretty funky. I enjoyed that scene. Aiden, not so much. Oh, I just, I, I just. By that point, I was a bit off it. I was just, it had, the chase had gone on too long, yeah. and I also thought the masks that they had matching masks to match the <laughs> night time. Like you know, have, we've got our day masks, and then we've got our scary you night don't, masks. You don't challenge that as a child. <laughs> that's Aiden. what I mean. I, that's what I mean. I found it really hard to watch the film as an adult yeah. and mm. be commenting on a kids' film because <laughs> I actually find it easy to watch kids' films when they're comedy. Because if it's well written, you'll still find it funny as an adult. If it's badly written, it'll be slapstick and over the top and you'll hate it. Whereas it's hard to watch a serious kids film. Not that this was like serious in that it was, you know, troubles and turmoils and whatever, but it yeah. was but it was like a action y film. Like I found that hard because it's like I could see through it too much as an adult. Yeah. Mm. The uh, that cemetery scene introduces one of my favorite cinematic tropes. The drunk with their bottle of alcohol oh, who yes. sees something a bit odd, yes, and then like I rubs his it, eyes yeah. and then like tips or throws <laughs> the alcohol away, and which is exactly what happens here, where the drunk sees the two masked goons. He like tips his you know whiskey out. 
a great trope. It yeah. is a great trope. I mean, it's, it's a Looney Tunes thing as well. Like, you see it everywhere. That's Ghostbusters, so I want to say. Yeah, I feel I like, like that might have been the oh, first for time. Oh, sure. Yeah. Back to the Future. Definitely. Yes. It's, yeah. it's everywhere. It's so good. It is so good. <laughs> Last little bit of love I want to give to a random moment in the film. Actually, I've got two that I want to draw attention to. I like, the goons are so buffoony. I actually read that the director made the conscious decision to make them so over-the-top terrible. Like, there's a point where literally one of them goes, nyeh, 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 like uh. a three-stooge. It's, it's, yeah. But because he was like, well, if you're watching this, you know that essentially the goons are going to, like, they're trying to kill the kids. So he sort of felt like for the children's market, he had to make them so over-the-top terrible that that never actually felt like a real danger that yes. yeah. the kids would be uh, killed. I love the moment where... In any kid's film where a character says something that clearly should have a swear, but they have to substitute it, and there's <laughs> a moment I, where... I think the... I know what you're going to say, because I wrote it down as well. <laughs> say it for us. Oh, just... It's, yeah, so I got the one. There are a few of them. I okay. only wrote down this one, so you might have a different one. But uh, the my favourite was the guy going, Ah, poo! <laughs> <laughs> Mine was a different one, but also poo related. Where they where they first uh, take Judy, he says, "You're right in the poo now, uh, sister." Yes, I noticed that one stuck out like a sore thumb. Uh, yeah, there, there were so many terrible lines like that for the goons. They're just like and weird things. Some of them I was just like, "Is this maybe like an Australian line from the '80s that was?" popular then and has just fallen out of use but I don't think so it's just a kids movie yeah. desperately trying to get that G right around it yeah, yeah. Uh, no. one of the goons says at the end the if you didn't get it in the summary there's a whole bunch of BMXs come down and they're just throwing bags of white flour mm. at the goons <laughs> and you hear one of the goons go ah oh, it's not even wholemeal <laughs> 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 As though, like, white flour is their particular weakness. Well, he might be gluten intolerant or something. I think, I think wholemeal flour might also have gluten in it. I'm uh... not one of those people, so I don't know much about it. Uh, does anyone else have anything they desperately want to say about this film before we get to the scores? Um, I loved when the crane dropped the pole on the car and oh, the whole car exploded. <laughs> yeah. Thought... That's another trope, right? Yeah. That was a great that was a great little bit of physical comedy. Just... I felt like they used all of their budget up for special effects on that one moment. Yeah. I expected the car in that last chase to go off the cliff. Like I expected there to be like a car launch off the cliff and fall into the water, but I think they spent their money on the beam yeah. destroying a car. <laughs> <laughs> the movie ends really abruptly, did you think? Very. So like the kids are sort of throwing flour at the bad guys. Cops turn up, and then it just cuts, and like well, essentially for, that's the for, end. You're forgetting the foam. Oh, the foam. <laughs> yeah. A, Daryl's foam fertilizer <laughs> or something like just that. Just a hell of a lot of foam. A bubble bath, essentially, <laughs> yeah. for I no reason. I didn't get that why fertilizer and foam were related. I don't think they are. I don't think foam fertilizer is even a no, thing. No, that's what I mean. So yeah. why why was it? It's a kid's film. Okay, put some okay, bubbles right. in it, Aiden. Put some right. bubbles in bubbles it. Bubbles in it. <laughs> I just didn't, it didn't make any sense to me. Bubbles. <laughs> doesn't make sense. Uh, yeah, and then it just cuts to them on like the BMX track, which they've finally now won. You know, they they got that at the end of the movie. Then there's a bunch of stunts, and then the end. <laughs> and all three characters happen to win their races. Yeah, they all win the races, and it's a real Star Warsy moment where they all kind of like get their trophy. 
and then Nicole Kidman gets like the big one. They're all like, oh, and they have like a sort of talking with no sound. Which I, almost goes too long, and I think you get long. the vibe that the actors are looking at each other going, exactly. is this over yet? Do we have to keep holding our trophies and smiling? Kirsty saw just that last bit, basically, and was like, you can tell that they don't know if it's still rolling or not. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen Star Wars in a while. Um, I don't remember the BMX fi- um, oh, it's in track there. at the end. That's, oh, man, Chewie on, on a bike? Right. You've never seen that? It's on the it's Death the, Star. It's not the Ewoks. Okay, right. <laughs> the Ewoks. <laughs> We will return after these messages. All right, let's put the bike in the rack for a moment and talk about what we've been enjoying recently. Aiden, lead off the round of recommendations. Um, I have something super specific. Um, This is not all episodes of this podcast, but just one particular episode of this podcast that I would like to um, recommend. Have you heard of the podcast Song Exploder? No. I have not. All right, it's been around for years, like a really long time. Can't be this, very good. It's <laughs> Or I would have heard of it. All right, is this going to be is, <laughs> Seriously, is this going to be another podcast where the two of you have a different opinion to myself <laughs> and then just gang up on me again? Cuz it seems to be a common theme amongst the last at least dozen episodes. Is that what's going on? So what we're doing today? I would love to hear your recommendation, Aiden. Okay. <laughs> Sonic Exploder. So it's been uh, it's been around for a long time, uh, but this particular episode. So each each episode they get on a different band and they talk about one particular song and they talk about that one song for like half an hour. They chat with the songwriter. They chat with the producer. They play you like a demo version of the song. They pull out different layers and explain every intricate detail of the song. Now. I saw the heading for this episode and was like, yeah, I'm not going to learn anything new from this, but sure, let's give it a go. Green Day. Semisonic <laughs> Closing Time. You'd be familiar with the song? It's closing uh, Oh, right. Yes. Everyone yes. knows. Yes. It's yes. a cliche. <laughs> the bar's closing. Put the song on. It's the end of the night. Everyone knows that song back to front. What you don't know is it's actually got two meanings, and the song is also about his wife being pregnant and it's time to come out of the womb. Wow. It's Is closing. closing. Isn't that opening time? There'd be opening no, time. No, the, the wound's closing up. And there's a, a few lines in the song that make it a lot more clearer. There's a line that says, um, uh, this room, uh, it's time for this room to close until your brothers and your sisters uh, return or, or, or arrive. Wow. Uh, and that, like it, when he breaks it down and it talks about how um, his child was in the hospital after it, w- um, it was born and had to stay in the hospital for like six months. And there's a line like, uh, I know who I want to take me home. That is the like him wanting to take um, his child, his daughter home from the hospital. And like, it's incredible. You, this song that you've heard at least a thousand times and you think you know everything about it. Like it just gives you this little details. Like, wow, I never knew that. So yeah, worth a listen. I really loved yeah, it. Nice. Have you listened to other episodes and other yeah, songs? Yeah. It's a really good podcast. I enjoy it. And they've, if you know the song, you, you're going to enjoy the episode. If you don't know it, it's super boring. No. <laughs> like you, you gotta, you gotta know what it is. Otherwise it's like, oh yeah, cool. This is the intricate details of a song I've never heard before. Yeah. But yeah, really good, really well researched and things. Do you think people say that about our podcast? Do you Not think at all. In our podcast, you had to, you do you, do you have to have watched what we are talking about to I'd enjoy like it? I like to think the banter is entertaining enough, but I do think they might be left out at time from time. Is there good banter in Song Exploder? No, 
No, it's uh, it's it's done similar to that podcast that you recommended, the spy one, in that it's done as an interview, but they remove the um interviewer. Yeah, more like storytelling documentary yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, that sounds interesting. Eden. Uh, I got a bit of a weird one, I think. Um, I'm going to uh, recommend a, uh, a YouTube channel. Oh, yeah, okay, you, hold, 14 hold, years hold, old. Hear me out, guys. Whoa. Hear me out. Did you learn how to do your makeup just right? <laughs> well, yeah, I did, actually. But that's <laughs> not the channel. How's well, your TikTok going? <laughs> all right, all right. I stay well away from TikTok. But the channel is uh, Ars Technica. Um, they have like a, a series that they've released one season of, I think it's 20 episodes, called War Stories. And essentially it is, every episode they get a, a video game developer of a relatively well-known video game. E.G. Uh, so they've got, they've done like Dead Space, they've done the Command and Conquer games, Mist, Civilization, Alien vs. Predator, the Blade yep. Runner game. Um, and they talk... Just threw that one on I the end. Just wanted to make sure it was <laughs> can, in there. If we could just go one episode without Blade Runner popping up, I'd be happy, man. <laughs> but they, yeah, talk about, the, uh, talk about the game, and they talk about, like, problems they encounter while they were making it, like, technical limitations. If you like video games, it's fascinating, like, every episode's about half an hour long. Essentially, we've recommended the same thing. Exactly, I just, I realised that, yeah. <laughs> talking about a game. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to recommend a podcast where wrestlers talk about their favourite match. And if you, no, I'm not going <laughs> to. That would be a great podcast, though. If anyone wants to make that podcast, I'm I will sure listen to one it. That exists like that. Uh, I'm actually going to recommend a film this week. Uh, I watched True History of the Kelly Gang on Ooh. Stan. It's I've been, seen that advertised a lot yeah. around. Getting a lot of promos. I really like the actor that plays the adult Ned Kelly. His name is. Uh, George McKay or Mackay, I'm not sure how he I pronounces it. I you were going to say, I think it's pronounced Russell Crowe. No, Russell Crowe doesn't play... <laughs> Ned Kelly died in his 20s. Uh, Russell Crowe plays an older bush ranger right. that uh, Ned Kelly ran with when he was a young man and that sort of thing. Um, I would file it under Colonial Romper Stomper. It's a Ooh. really hard watch. It's got some pretty gut-wrenching content. Uh it's very visually innovative, uh, excellent sort of cinematic moments, some really strong soundtracking. Racial? Not racial like Romper Stomp, okay, but just like yeah. hard to watch. Right. Like, you know, mature content sort of warning. Don't watch it if you want a light, you know, evening viewing. Like, I had really vivid dreams about it the night after watching it because it, I guess it played in my head a lot. So right. I really, really enjoyed it. And the, the acting is tremendous. And it's by the director who did the Snowtown movie. Ah, cool. Yeah, so it's got got a great cast with some international actors in it as well. So if you want to learn a little bit about Ned Kelly, although some of it, it's kind of a bit Tarantino-esque as well. It's a bit of a retelling where there's a little bit of fictionalization right. going on as well. Nice. Uh, Nick Cave's son acts in it, so there's a few little ah. you know, interesting bits and pieces about it. It's on Stan if you want to watch it. <laughs> All right, let's start getting some numbers. iPhone test, Aiden. It didn't hold up very well for me. Again, loved the first half an hour, and after that, I was pretty sick of chase scenes. So, gee, one and a half, I think. I'm sorry to break your little heart, Dan. <laughs> I'm gonna go a little bit higher. Like I, I am the exact same. Like I was a bit tired in the middle. I. 
did pick up again later on, and there were definitely, like, great bits in there. Um, but I was on my phone a little bit there, so I'm going to give it a two. Yeah. I think that it, I think it is actually really well directed in terms mm. of the way the action is shot, and it is mostly action. Again, it can get a bit repetitive. The di- the moments where they're talking are probably just the weakest. Yeah, the, the dialogue's pretty weak, and uh, I don't know how it got nominated for adapted <laughs> screenplay. I don't know what it even was adapted from, but it is a would have been a crap screenplay. Yeah, the C.S. Just... Eliot novel. <laughs> Wait, so can I just clarify? So the too many chase scenes, the dialogue's bad. And the part after where there's no dialogue, where they're just acting, is not actually very good either because they think it stopped filming. Which is the part, Dan, that you enjoyed. I don't understand. That's the I whole I was film. five, Aiden. For that, I'm giving it a four. Uh- <laughs> now I'm gonna give it. Uh, I'm gonna give it a three yeah. for its good action and its beautiful look at 1980s Sydney. We actually didn't bring it up. Yeah, how old you were five when you did watch it for the first time? I don't know. I think I would have been about then. Yeah. Okay. My life is split into two distinct halves. Gonna get a bit sad. It's not meant to. My mum died when I was eight, so I remember a lot of things pre and post. And this is definitely a very much a pre-mum thing, like right. dying. I'm gonna tiptoe away from this, but yeah. <laughs> um, no, 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 I just, I just don't feel like there's too many follow-up questions I'm allowed to ask. After no, you go say for that. it. I'm not sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I've, I completely forgot my question. Anyway, um, edit if this. you give this Definitely a low score, this. will I cry in the studio? Yes. <laughs> Is this film intrinsically linked to my grief about my mother dying? Oh, yes. Now, now I remember. Now I remember. Uh, so it came out in '83. So it had actually been out for a while. Oh, yeah, this is like a VHS sort of rental down at the corner shop sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, okay. So even for you, it would have been almost 10 years since it had come out or at least five or six. Yeah, I probably like very late 80s, like 89 or 1990. So yeah, yeah it would okay. have had a few years on it. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting what you were watching at that time. It felt current to me though then, yeah. I suppose. Like yeah. it didn't feel like, oh, I'm watching some old movie. Like, yeah. yeah. Cultural significance, Aiden. Yeah, I had definitely heard of it, and obviously it was the launching pad for Nicole Kidman. Uh, there wasn't too many things where I was like, oh, that's reference from this, though. But it's tough because we consume so much American TV, and of course they're not going to reference it in The Simpsons or Seinfeld, <laughs> which are the two fallbacks that we're usually using as an example. So I think it's probably a two and a half for an Australian film. I do think it is pretty famous and, and culturally significant for a big film of the time and things. Yeah. I'm I was amazed when you said Dan that uh like it it's so popular in the UK and that like Tarantino has spoken of it. He well, loves you... the director. Right. So the director did a lot of that sort of Ozploitation cinema. And I love Ozploitation cinema. Yeah, so <laughs> the mean, director did lots of those. They hired him for this film, not because he'd ever worked with kids or anything, or children's films, but because he'd done a lot of that Ozploitation action film and they wanted the action sequences, which is 80% of the film, to look good. Yeah. you got to think as well, it's just before the era of Neighbours and Home and Away going gangbusters in the UK. Yeah. And they love those two TV shows because they're so bright and sunny uh, and they have a funny accent, obviously, yeah. <laughs> and that's what this film is as 
well. So it's probably like a little bit of a precursor to the success that those shows are going to have in the UK. Like fifth yeah. highest grossing film is pretty significant. Yeah. Like yeah. In any year, the top five films are going to be pretty notable. Yeah. yeah. You look at the last year, it's, it was Avengers, Avengers, and Avengers, and <laughs> Avengers. So. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so for pop culture, like even though I had not really heard of it, didn't really know anything about it, I'm going to go with a three. Like I think that it does have some significance there. It's not necessarily in the zeitgeist. People don't talk about it much, but I think that there's something to it. Yeah, I actually totally agree with your three, and that's going to be my number two. But I would just add, I think, you know, we did Wait, mention two or it, three? a three. I'm going number with a three. three. I'm going with a three, two. Three, two. Who's on first? What's um, on second? <laughs> Um, yeah, I think as the movie that launched Nicole Kidman, who had done nothing, they mm. literally plucked yeah. her out of hundreds of girls that they auditioned, and the director just said he was blown away by her naturalistic performance. I think that's pretty significant. Yeah. And in Returnability, I'll have something to add to that. Remind me. Returnability, <laughs> Aiden. Um... Yeah, I'd, I'd probably... You're going to watch this with Jethro and Marshall and just... get him excited about bike riding? <laughs> um, I just can't see me doing that. I'm sorry, Dan. <laughs> I know. I feel bad. You're staring at me like I'm breaking your little heart, but it's like... Closing time. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably, probably, probably a point five. Oh. If it was on TV, I'd leave it on for five minutes and <laughs> flicking around, but I'd be over pretty quick, yeah. For returnability for me, it would be higher, I think, if I did have kids. I would definitely show kids. I, I would happily show my children this movie. I think it's a fun movie. It's safe. <laughs> Mate, there's Disney Plus and Netflix and things. Like, yeah, ki- but kids... they're all too like polished and clean. This is Your a nice... friends are going to start having kids even if you don't and if... you might get asked to babysit. You could put this on. If I'm babysitting and I'm looking for a movie to show them, I really don't want to watch Frozen. I'm you don't sh- have to, though. Compare the music of Frozen to the music of this. This is the excellent eighties music. <laughs> All oh, the electric so blue, like it's <laughs> amazing. Yeah. So for returnability, if I have kids, it's going to be three. You're going to have kids. It's All a three. Right. <laughs> uh, look, I have to go from life. I saw it as a kid. It's a natural step up. You know, like you watched Bad Boy in yeah. that impressionable. I was very impressionable. Uh, I'm going to have to give it a four. And a half. Ooh. I've seen it a bunch of times. I've watched it as an adult. I've watched the commentary. Yeah, the that's com- pretty committed. Was the commentary good? I've seen some commentaries and thought they were great. Yeah, I can't remember who it was with. It was probably just the. Well, that it's not going to be Nicole, guy. is it? Uh. Well, in Returnability, I was just you know looking at some stuff online. Oh, there is a film. You, you in told me article. to remind you. I, I meant to remind you. You've got something you wanted to say for Returnability. Is it? Is this it? You know what my constant thought in the edit studio is? How much Aiden can I get out of this episode? (laughs) (laughs) Mate, you need me to record in this building. (laughs) That's the linchpin of me being on this podcast. I'm just joking because you're hurting my feelings about my mum dying. I didn't know! (laughs) Well, no, I knew, but I didn't... I didn't... No, I saw this Film Inc. article. I think Film Inc. is like a reputable-ish news source. I had to later go and check that it wasn't like a Batuta Advocate type thing. Right. Nicole Kidman, in 2016 it reported, was going to have a small cameo in BMX Bandits 2, where the kids of Goose, PJ, and Judy get together on bikes. But 
the, like, it was like, but it won't just be bikes. It'll be like scooters, kite ball, <laughs> kite uh, surfing, right. and like Ooh. crap stuff like that. <laughs> no. Wait, so does that film exist? Did it get? Well, no, I've, I couldn't greenlit? find any other reference to it anywhere. Surely so obviously, not. just died in production. Somewhere. It wasn't an April Fool's thing, like I fell for when we were talking about. <laughs> Could have been. Yeah. Could have been. Maybe I'll look that up while we crunch the scores. Because you all oh. thought it was hilarious when I. Um, what was the film? Was it The Shining Two or Yeah, which, The Shining. Which later came on to become an actual... Dr. Sleep, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right, returnability over. Partner friendliness, Aiden. Yeah, I think... I actually think my wife would kind of enjoy it from time to time. A date, though, I think she'd be disappointed. Your wife is an artist who loves bright colour. Lots of bright colour in this movie. (laughs) Stop trying to win. Even just on their knee pads. You're just trying to win points from me right now. (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) I think it's a one and a half. Look, it's it's not like I got an extra half out of you. Maybe. It's not setting the romantic tone for the night, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I don't know. See, I feel like it's kind of a cool movie, maybe, for a date night, in that. You can enjoy the crappiness of it. Like, it, it, despite the fact that, like, I'm giving it some nice scores, I think. I don't think it's necessarily a good movie, but the scores, it, it's, it's fun. It's a fun watch. So, I'm going four. <laughs> Whoa! I think it's, it's partner-friendly. <laughs> okay, I'm, let's set the scene. Valentine's Day is just around the corner, or depending on how quickly Dan's edited this, it just was <laughs> Valentine's Day. <laughs> Uh, your wife turns to you, Eden, and says, Valentine's Day is coming up. I know we don't normally celebrate, but I want you to plan a special night for us. Uh, I want you to pick the restaurant. I want you to pick the movie we're going to watch back at home. This is huge. This is big. You get two bikes. Do a little ride along the Torrens. Do you think she would be disappointed? (laughs) You go and have dinner at the Bombay Bicycle Club, and then you take her home for a BMX Bandit screening. Do you think she would be disappointed? I think she would be disappointed. So how uh, did you give it a score of... Because I didn't you say... You picked all. the most romantic night of the year. That is true. But that's a date night. What about night? on August 2? <laughs> all right. Date night on a Friday night. She says, oh, we've had a tough week. We that's need a, a fun date night. That's a good night of the night. week. Let's go for date night on a Tuesday <laughs> Wait, where you've got no, to be no, in bed no, early. Say, how low do you want to set this bar <laughs> no, down? Mary! I would happily go date night on a Friday night. Yeah, and, and you think she would be... Excited, or do you think she'd be disappointed? I think she would be. I think she would have a good time watching That's it. That's not what I said. Do you think <laughs> she'd be disappointed? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think you I don't can think honestly she would be disappointed. I think she. I think she'd be disappointed, and I think you can't honestly give it a four. She will be in the studio for our next episode. We'll ask we her ask, yeah. then. Partner friendliness. Uh, Ash actually really wanted to watch this with me. Because uh, she was interested in the young Nicole Kidman factor. But she had to wash her hair. Or... Uh, she had a lot of work events and social things on and we just couldn't make it happen. Although she did say something hilarious about the... She was interested in the young Nicole Kidman, but also said... Oh, at first, this was her response. Oh, doesn't it have a young Nicole Kidman? I don't like fat people in movies. Sorry, what? <laughs> Sorry, what? Oh, my God. Wow. So she didn't oh. want to see chubby Nicole because she has this image of Nicole Kidman as a young people being a bit chubby. First of all, I don't think she is chubby, is she? No. I, don't, I wouldn't have I really so. thought so. No. Second of all, not a John Candy fan. I know. Oh, look Black. at who she's married to. I mean, don't Chris, be too judgmental. Chris Farley? Like... <laughs> I think she likes... Uh, well, maybe she doesn't like John Candy. I used to have a block-mounted Uncle Buck poster yeah. that she made me get rid of. <laughs> Where'd you get rid of that? 
I don't know. Just throw it out. It's probably still at my parents' place in the shed or something. Okay, you cool. want that? Maybe, yeah. <laughs> You're going to hang it over oh, <laughs> Kirsty's shelf that she <laughs> took from you? Uh, partner friendliness, look, I'm going to be a little bit more moderated. There is a bit of a laugh along together with it factor, maybe. That's where my four is coming in. <laughs> Bring in the young Nicole Kidman, point of interest, two and a half. Two and a half? The Let's... guy that loved it and passionately yeah, defended it the whole way through the film did not even give it as high as you eat them. I think it's You a hand fun these watch. points out like they're just candy to kids. I feel like it's the same kind of thing, like why The Room could be a good date night movie. You can go along and watch this movie and just sort of like laugh at but the, the, room's the crazy accent. As a bad film, this is not pitched as a bad film. I know. You can p- pitch it for yourself as a bad film. <laughs> it's a very versatile film. Let's tally up the scores. <laughs> G'day. I've been asked to talk to you, see, and being the suave, sophisticated man about town, I thought I'd do the job with a bit of, you know, polish, a touch of class. So I'll get the boys back here to set the scene with a bit of the old mood music. Uh, when you're ready, Boris. Anyhow, what I've got here is a new brand of cigarettes, Winfield. Have a good look at them. Now, you might say nothing extraordinary about that, but I've got news for you. And if you're a smoker, it'll be the best bit of news you've had in ten years or more. These new Winfields are 40 cents. That's about the price you should be paying for a good smoke. But have a go at the length of them. This would have to be the best cigarette value in Australia today. No risk. And it's not just the extra length. It's a good tobacco. Mild, quality all the way. Well, how good's that for 40 cents? Anyhow, just to give these new Winfields a bit of a welcome, I'll hand you back to Boris and the boys in the band. Hello there, Boris, all done. Have a Winfield. Interesting that we only just compared it to The Room as a potential parallel experience. BMX Bandits has come in on 31 points, placing at number 16 in our list of pop cultural experiences, 0.9 of a point below The Room. Wow. Pretty good score, really. It's basically right in the middle of our table. Yeah. Dead center. I, yeah. And I think that's fair. I think, like I, like I keep saying, it's not a good movie, but it's no. a fun experience. But it, but it would be at least a four for a date night. So I think yeah. so. It's laugh along with it. It's almost could be <laughs> it's like, not a good film, but I'd be willing enough to you, put my partner through it's it. It's a time you, capsule of 1983 Australia. Definitely, Dan. But also, is every date night movie for you, Aiden, a romantic movie? No, no, but I think it's one that I think both parties will enjoy. I think both parties can enjoy this. You laugh along. You watch like Nicole Ash Kidman. I wanted to watch and, it. Yeah. But you you said you didn't enjoy it, so there you go. No, no, I, I, but, but you can enjoy the experience of it. And you can both enjoy sort of going, whoa, look how like Nicole Kidman's legs go up to her eyeballs. Aiden, your feistiness <laughs> and contrariness has increased since the bad boy's low score, I think. You're really trying to drag down everybody else's beloved cinematic touchstones. No, do you know what? I listened back to a few episodes of the podcast and I just realised how much it's just me versus you two. It's always me. <laughs> 
universe. It's either I really love You've it. You made that happen you today. You made that happen. You no, could I... have just let Eden's score go past. His fall wasn't a personal attack I'm just on getting, you. I'm just getting sick of the impartial judging that's going Whoa, on. Oh, impartial. It's impartial. <laughs> Even Dan gave the like partner score fairly low. I gave it like, fairly low. From I you felt in. like my I'm scores were reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel as picked on tonight? Has the trend continued? I agreed with you that the first part of the movie is great. Yeah. And it drops off a bit after that. Yeah. And for the, for so iPhone to a test four, though, and cultural to a significance, you two scored within half a point of each other. Yeah. Okay, 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 okay. Yep. No, I'll, just, I'll be I think fine. we've got different ideas about what a date night could be. Maybe you and I should go on a date. Next experience. <laughs> <laughs> I can already hear your car as you drive away tonight, Aiden. <laughs> <laughs> and all those facts about it playing in your head as you drive home. A <laughs> uh, little tidbit for you, or a follow-up from last episode of the podcast. Uh, we talked about cinema tropes and things that uh, pop up, and we didn't think it was going to pop up in real life. One being the, you offended my wife and apologize now. Yeah. Uh, this happened to me this week. Oh, wow! hang on. You offended somebody's wife? Yes. Oh. And I was told to apologise. Oh. Oh, you lived a trope. Yeah, I lived it. So it does happen. Wow. We need to know some details here. Yeah, so I was at uh, Bastille at the Gov. So Bastille, you'd know them from like Pompeii and a few other little hits here and there. Um, And it was a pretty packed gig. Uh, And we had a reasonable spot, but it was pretty jam-packed. And they're a pretty loud band in a pretty smallish venue, you know, like a, what's the gov? Like, uh, no. two, 2,000 at most? Yeah, maybe at most. Yeah. yeah, at most, like somewhere between one to 2,000. Um, so behind us were two ladies chatting very loudly, like very loudly in order to talk over the band. That's rude. It is rude. There we go. Good. Okay. So they talked through one song. I was like, eh, whatever, they're catching up. Two songs. Okay, I'm looking at Leah. We're both looking at each other, getting annoyed. Three songs. I turn around... And this is probably where I should have been a little bit more um, uh, uh, friendly about the whole thing. But I turn around to them and go, what are we chatting about, girls? Uh, so, oh, uh, wow. That's, that's bold. Well and done. They, they respond with something. I can't even remember what so they responded snarky. with. Yeah, they respond with something like, I don't know, one of their friends or something. And I'm like, right, would you reckon we could talk about it after the gig? Because you're really loud and it's annoying. So please stop talking or take it elsewhere because we're all trying to enjoy the band and sing along and you uh, are very loud. With no, the, is, well that okay? is that very okay? Good. And they were like, yes. And then kept watching the band. Half an hour later... A um, a, how do I put this? A soccer hooligan is probably how Ooh, what I would compare him to. Oh dear! Yeah, a bald, bulky um, a soccer hooligan. Yeah, grabs me on the shoulder and goes, and this is while the band's still playing. Obviously, grabs me on the shoulder and goes, "Mate, you really offended my wife, and I want you to apologise." Oh, <laughs> and I was like. <laughs> Sorry, what? Who's your wife? <laughs> because I didn't even think. Yeah. And he, he's like, you told her to, to shut up or whatever language you used. I'm not going to get into all of it and not do the accent either. But like, and I'm like. Did he have the English accent too? Did yeah, I miss yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was. Oh, like actually a yeah, soccer yeah. hooligan. Oh. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, and I'm like, look, I'm really sorry, but I think everyone here will agree that she was talking really loudly. Everyone paid a lot of money to be here. And we just want to enjoy the gig. And he's like, 
it's a loud gig. Everyone's having fun. They're catching up. You know, give her a break, whatever. And I said, look, I'm sorry, but if you want to talk about this more and debate whether it was appropriate or not, let's go to the back of the room so we're not disrupting all the people with our conversation now. Of which he got really annoyed at. And I was like, and I just turned around and ignored him. And continued on with the night. And then he king hit you from behind. Yeah. You well, just got out of hospital. I, I, like, Leah went to grab my hand as if, like, you know, I'm here with you. And I'm like, I'm fine. Like, I'm, I'm fine. I'm not worried. But then as we were leaving and we're outside the venue, he was still there. And I'm like, all right, we might just walk this way back to our car instead of that way. Because the big man's scaring me. <laughs> <laughs> Legit. So yeah. it does happen. Wow. Yeah. That is fascinating. But you did the right thing. You, I th- would, yeah, I'm on your side. I felt so too at the time, and I still felt like I did the right thing. I probably was just a little bit more of a jerk than I should have been in the approach. There it's... would have been people around you like, yeah, I'm glad yeah, that guy shut definitely. those women up. Yeah, well, only moments later, I saw another person tell someone off for filming nonstop throughout the gig with their flash on as well. And they were oh, like, and they were like can, you, can you stop filming and put your flash on the back of my neck and on my eyes and stuff? And there was no issue between them. But yeah. clearly people were just a little bit hostile at the gig or something. Yeah. I don't know. But like, I don't know. Maybe people don't know how to act in public anymore. There is an etiquette whenever you're out at a gig or seeing a movie, like whatever yeah. it is, there is an etiquette. Yeah. Like, like don't disturb people who want to watch. Yeah. I, like, I get it. You're singing loudly. That's appropriate. I think that's fine at a gig. You're singing, you're mucking around, you're dancing, you're having fun. Yeah. But talking, you can do that anytime. Yeah. Go or, away or and go do that. Go to the bar. Like, yeah. go somewhere else yeah. and talk. Yeah. So we got you back. <laughs> Look at us all agreeing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Eden, tell us what's coming up on our next episode. Uh, next episode, uh, my lovely wife is going to be in the studio with us, and uh, we're going to be watching The Godfather. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm is, pretty is sure it, that's in it. Just right? do that one more time. I don't, I don't know if I want to. <laughs> is that racist? No, that's... that's I, thought, I thought that was a decent kind of impression, no? <laughs> He's, he's got, like, the foam stuff in his Just mouth. Just do it one more time so the listeners can judge. Um. <laughs> okay, hold on. <laughs> now I'm oh, hearing it. I, I okay, wish they right. could see his face as well. well. I'm trying to get into character. Sure. Like, I'm, You're a professional. I'm, exactly, like Brando. <laughs> I'm the good father. <laughs> okay. Now, it just sounds like I'm doing a really bad impression of a deaf person. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not... I'm not... <laughs> I'm not wow. trying to do that. All right. Thank you for listening. I <laughs> uh, hope that no one listened to the end of this podcast uh, because you will probably never listen to another episode. But thank you for listening. If you like the podcast, review, uh, subscribe, all that sort of stuff. We love you. Goodbye. <laughs>